Brian McClanahan Show, episode 391. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Welcome to 2021. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll. 10 Myths of American History. And you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. I will have a new course coming out probably around February. So here we are early January. So start making plans to get that class. It's going to be absolutely awesome and necessary in these very strange times in which we live. If 2020 was bad, 2021 could be even worse in some ways. But uh, you're going to want to get this class. It's going to be a four-part class on the Constitution itself. So it's going to be essential, essential learning material. Now, I've got all kinds of cool classes out there. I ran a lot of sales last year. You're not going to see as many this year. So you're going to want to hit those sales when they do come out. Uh, If I do have them, I'm not even sure when I'm going to do them this year. So think about that. But if you're a McClanahan Academy subscriber, you'll get all the best deals when I do offer them. You can also go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on that support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcast going. You can order a book plate if you want my autograph on one of my books. I will have some books coming out this year as well, so keep I'll keep you up to date on that if you're on my email list. Lots of great ways to support the show. You can buy one of my books. My Southern Scribblings book is out. It came out last summer. It's still out there. It's still awesome. You want to get that 60 Essays in Defense of the Southern Tradition. Always share this podcast where you've got an influence, whether it's on social media, email, whatever you can do. Let people know you like it. Let people know what you're listening to. Send me in show requests. Rate the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Please help people get out there and think locally, act locally. And in these, again, very difficult times we're heading into, that is the only recourse we're going to have. And in this week, I'll talk about that. So let me just say I'm glad to be back. It's good to be back here in the chair, in the saddle. Uh, I wanted to be back earlier this week, but I am back at my full-time job all the time now. So having a little less time to podcast, but here we go. I'm going to try to get two in this week. It is the week of uh, January 4th. It is Friday of January 4th, but I'm going to try to have one today, maybe one tomorrow. I've still got the Abbeville Institute podcast if you want to listen to that too. That is still going to come out this week. So lots of great ways to uh, get what I'm going to tell you. And this particular episode is going to be a listener-generated episode. In fact, it wasn't something I was going to talk about, but I had several people ask about it, and then also on social media. But it's the 25th Amendment. So unless you've lived under a rock, you know what's been happening in Washington, D.C. And without saying too much more about this, because I want to get into it, it is, in another episode, it is a disease of nationalism. That's, I mean, what we're seeing now in America, the root cause of it all, is Lincolnian nationalism. There's no other way to describe it. There's no other way to to, uh, define it. It is nasty Lincolnian nationalism, and it's an an infectious disease. Uh, 
just like any other virus, it forces people to do very strange things until you can get over it. You got to take the antidote. You got to take the vaccine. You got to do whatever you can to get over this disease, this virus. And that's what this podcast is all about. This show, I should say, not this particular episode, but this show. But I want to talk about the 25th Amendment. It's been on the news a lot. The uh, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and now the Majority Leader, I would guess, Chuck Schumer, is uh, in a position where they are calling on the Vice President, Mike Pence, to invoke the 25th Amendment. So let's talk about the 25th Amendment. Is there even any grounds for invoking the 25th Amendment at this particular point? Is that what the 25th Amendment is designed to do? And is Congress really doing their job at this particular point? So we had all these, quote-unquote, this insurrection, as the leftist uh, establishment media is calling it. It's no insurrection there. First, let's get, some, let's get some things out of the way here. There's no insurrection in Washington, D.C. If that was an insurrection, it's the most laughable insurrection in the history of all insurrections. The Capitol Police were letting people in the building. Now, I know there was some conflict, and we had one Capitol Police officer get killed. We all said... Several other people get killed in the, uh, in the uh, protesters, including one un- unarmed woman shot to death. If that had happened at any other time, this would have been, that would have been the entire news. But no, if it happened in Wisconsin, say, for example, and a police officer shot somebody during a protest, that would have been the front-line story. wouldn't have been about any of the breaking the windows or the vandalism or anything else. It would have been about that person getting killed peacefully protesting. But because these people went to Washington, D.C., now that becomes the big news uh, that uh, it was an insurrection against the government. Well, that, that wasn't. It. The establishment is going to do that because this came to their backyard. When it was in other people's backyards, who cares? But it came to their backyard, so now they're very upset about this. But the fact is, now that they've said that Trump egged this on somehow, he encouraged it with his, with his speech. He's encouraged it by refusing to concede the election. He's encouraged it by saying that he won the election. There are now calls from the Obamas to shut down Donald Trump's social media account. This is, that would be unprecedented, to shut down the sitting president of the United States, shut down his social media account, or shut down any access to the media. That would be completely unprecedented, and a move of tyrants. Okay, let's get this clear. That is what tyrants do. They shut down the opposition and make it to where they don't have any platform to speak. This is what is happening in America right now. You have totalitarians on both sides who are making things very difficult for people who are just wanting to voice their opposition to things that are going on in Washington, D.C. And look, I have sympathy with people on the left, good people on the left, who simply want to voice their opposition to things. I disagree with them vehemently on what they're trying to do, but... I know a lot of people on the left who are just good people. They just don't agree with what's happening in politics. And so we've turned politics, again, into a war game. And part of that is because of nationalism. But I'll get into that later. So we've got this idea that Trump somehow you know, egged these people on. And so he should be removed via the 25th Amendment. There's just one little problem with this. The 25th Amendment is not designed for that. In fact, you could say that I mean, the 25th Amendment is in no way applicable to this current situation. If the Democrats want Trump out, they've got to impeach him. In fact, by simply suggesting, if Pelosi and Schumer simply suggest that Trump should be removed by the 25th Amendment, 
They're not doing their job. Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House of Representatives. They have a job, according to the Constitution, to get rid of the president via impeachment, or at least impeach the president, and the Senate holds the trial. But they can start the process immediately. They could have held a session today, had articles of impeachment presented, and voted on it today. It could have happened today. There, there didn't need to be any delay in this. If they really want to get rid of the president, they could, have, they could do it. But they know that it would fail in the Senate. They know that they wouldn't get a two-thirds majority in the Senate to convict Trump on any type of charges that would lead to impeachment. Now, I have talked about impeachment uh, in this on this particular show before. I've talked about it in my courses. I talk about it in my American Constitutions class. But this is not a time that the president has... I mean, look, he's not, he's not inciting an insurrection against the government. He's challenging the validity of the election. And in his mind... That election was not valid. Now, you can argue with him on that point. You can say you're not right. And of course, the media does this. Anytime you bring this up, they're going to say that this is disputed and not right. But the man is entitled to say, I don't believe I lost the election. What his people do with that is, is their business. Now, the 25th Amendment was actually drafted in the 1950s. And there's a couple of things going on here. And actually, National Geographic had a pretty good article about the history of the 25th Amendment. Uh, yesterday, in fact, the history of the 25th Amendment. It was written by uh, Aaron Blakemore. I don't know anything about Aaron Blakemore. Let's see who she is. Uh, well, uh, I don't see anything about her. But regardless, written by Aaron Blakemore, it has some of the stupid platitudes in it that you're going to hear from the idiotic mainstream media at the end of the article, but she does a pretty good job going over where this particular uh, amendment comes from. And if we go back to the first time we had a vice president assume the office of the presidency, we have to go back to John Tyler, who I consider to be the best president in American history. And I know that's uh, one of those things that people get very, you know, they scratch their head about when I say it. But if you read my nine presidents who screwed up America, I make a very good case why he is the best president in American history, at least according to the U.S. Constitution, the Constitution has ratified. So that's the first time. And there was some question about whether Tyler would just be a, an acting president, whether they would have another election, if the Congress would control the government. Nobody really knew these things because it had never happened before. But John Tyler essentially establishes a precedent, and now that precedent moves forward. And so we had Andrew Johnson assume office. We had uh, Millard Fillmore assume office uh, after Zachary Taylor dies. And then, of course, Andrew Johnson. We've had uh, you know, Chester Arthur uh, assume office. Uh, we had Teddy Roosevelt assume office. Uh, so we had you know, several instances in this second half of the 19th century, early 20th century, where we had uh, presidents dying in office and there was an assumption by the vice president. But in 1919, Woodrow Wilson, as the article points out, has stroke, has a stroke. He's incapacitated. He really is unable to discharge his duties, but yet he remains president. And so there was some discussion about what to do in this particular situation. The Constitution is fairly mute on this point. Eisenhower uh, had a heart attack at one point, 
And while he's laid up in the hospital bed, he says, you know what, we got to come up with some way to create a situation where I'm not going to, uh, if, if I died right now, we have something in place, or if, I, if, I'm, you know, if I'm out of it, I'm in the hospital here, we can have the vice president take over. So if you look at the 25th Amendment, the first three sections of the 25th Amendment are really benign. And of course, this was revised in 1992 when we had uh, the, uh, the line of succession added to it after the vice president. And, of course, now we get into things like Speaker of the House and President Pro Temp, and then you have all the people behind that, how, how we would have a line of succession if other people died. And, of course, this is also created within the context of the Cold War. We're in the midst of the Cold War in the 1950s and 60s. The amendments drafted, it really comes into focus with the assassination of John F. Kennedy and so the time comes then to sit down and think about what happens if the president can't do his job. So section one of the 25th Amendment, in case of the removal of the president from office or of his death or resignation, the vice president shall become president. I mean, very clearly spells out what's going to happen here. This was not clearly spelled out in the original Constitution. So they took care of that problem. Precedent has been this, but we're going to make sure it's spelled out in the Constitution. No problem with that. Not a big deal. Uh, I think this is a wise thing to do. Section 2. Whenever there is a vacancy in the office of the vice president, the president shall nominate a vice president who shall take office upon confirmation by a majority vote of both houses of Congress. So if there's no vice president, well, then the president nominates a vice president, and the Congress can agree to that particular person being or not being vice president of the United States. Pretty straightforward. Pretty simple. Section 3. Whenever the president transmits to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives has written declaration that he is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office until he transmits to them a written declaration to the contrary, such powers and duties shall be discharged by the vice president as acting president. So here's a situation. You have um, a president that knows they're going to go in, say, for uh, you know heart surgery, right? They're going to be, they're not going to be able to do their job for six or seven hours. Well, then the vice president he writes the vice president, then becomes president for six or seven hours, acting president. When the president's able to do their job again, they are then um, cognizant of what they can do. They're aware of what they can do. Well, then the vice president is no longer act- acting president. But it's section four that the left is focusing on as the as the be-all end-all for getting Trump out of office. Now, here's the thing. The, uh, the Congress, again, is abrogating its duty here by simply suggesting that Vice President Pence should take this stand. If the House wanted Trump out, they should just impeach him, and then uh, Trump, and then the Senate should convict him. I mean, but again, this is not going to happen because there will be enough people in the Senate to block removing Trump from office. But Section 4 says this, Whenever the Vice President and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of such other body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the President pro tempore, of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives, their written declaration, the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The Vice President shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the 
office as acting president. So Pence and some cabinet members can say that the president is unable to discharge his duties of office. Now, as the National Geographic article points out, this was put into place if there was insanity. And there was some discussion about it, uh, again, as the article points out, during the last years of the Reagan the second ter- Reagan's second term because the man was already suffering from early stage al- Alzheimer's. So there was some talk about this because at that particular point, because of mental incapacity, the president is unable to do their job. Now, is Trump mentally incapable of doing his job as president? Well, clearly not. So what the what the Speaker of the House and the Senate Majority Leader asking the Vice President to do is really unprecedented. Trump is not incapable of doing his job. They just don't like the job that he's doing. So that's a political that's a political request, not a request based on the language of the 25th Amendment. Now here's where it gets a little tricky because you see Pence and some of the cabinet members could say, all right, yeah, we want the president out. But the president then can transmit to the president pro tempore, the Senate, and the Speaker of the House representatives, his written declaration that no inability exists. So then he resumes the powers uh, and duties of the office unless the vice president and majority of either the principal officers of the executive department transmit within four days of the president pro temp of the Senate and the Speaker of the House their written declaration the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. So thereupon, Congress can decide. So what's really happening here is a power play. The Democrats are trying to do an end around the Constitution, essentially, their, their constitutional obligation to impeach and then remove, which is, if you go back to the ratification period, if you go back and look at the original Constitution, this was what was argued. I mean, if you want to get rid of the president, you have to impeach him. We're not in a situation where you can just say, uh, you know what, we're, the vice president, that, that really almost is a coup. What they're asking Mike Pence to do is essentially commit an open coup against the president of the United States. Because the cabinet and the vice president then are trying to oust the president when the president is not mentally incapacitated. In fact, Evan Bayh, who wrote the amendment, said that this was in, this is in a case where the president, in his words, as the National Geographic article points out, was nuttier than a fruitcake. So in other words, if the president was mentally ill, and certifiably mentally ill, somebody says, look, this man needs to be in a mental institution, then you can make a case that we have a 25th Amendment situation. But that's not the case with Trump. He's perfectly lucid. He knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. You can disagree with him. You can say that what he's doing, we don't like what he's doing. Maybe what he's doing is even dangerous, if if that's the position you want to take. But Trump is not clinically insane, and therefore the 25th Amendment does not apply because he would immediately fire back and say, hey, I'm fine. Now, what the what they would do then, within four days, Pence could say, ah, oh, well, I mean, we disagree, and then Congress can decide. Congress can decide. So this is what the Democrats are hoping would happen. Now, Pence is not having any of it. Pence, and this is where Pence is, as when you vote for Republicans, you inevitably get Mike Pence. Mike Pence is as establishment Republican as you can get. He is not a boat rocker. He's not someone that's going to do anything odd. I've said this on this podcast before. 
when I talked about what Pence could do to throw a wrench into the situation. The problem with that, of course, is that the states, you had to look at, did the states send different set of electors? And that's a whole other situation I'm talking about with the election. But Pence is not going to do anything to rock the boat here. Because Mike Pence is looking to 2024. He's going to make a case, I think, in 2024 that he was a stabilizing influence in that particular government and that the Republicans should get behind Mike Pence. Now, I will tell you this. I think that Mike Pence is going to be too toxic, number one. And number two, I mean, there was some discussion about Donald Trump running in 2024. That isn't happening. So we're going to see what happens. I mean, this particular situation that just happened is a disaster for the Republican Party. And in many ways, the Republican Party, as the stupid party, deserves to die a very awful death. It is a terrible political party. They never do what they say they're going to do. You have some Republicans that will, but most of them don't. It's rhetorically a conservative party, but in action, a progressive party. It always has been. So the Republican Party is no different today than it was 150 years ago. I know that people would say, well, the, the flip took place. No, it's just that some people vote Republican now that wouldn't vote Republican even you know, 70 years ago. But the 25th Amendment does not pl- apply in this particular situation at all. There is no precedent for it. There's nothing there that would, that would make this a functional response to the current situation. The Democrats in Congress... If they really wanted to get rid of Trump, they should just impeach him and then convict him. It's not going to happen. Trump has got, what, 13 days left. And uh, who knows what's going to happen in those 13 days. But the fact is, all of this talk about the 25th Amendment, all of the things around getting rid of Trump, I mean, that has been the goal of the Democrats for four years. They finally did it. And what they really want to do is ruin him on the way out. And... Unfortunately, and this is something I'm going to talk about in the very next episode of the show, unfortunately, that's become the standard operating procedure for most people in national politics. Ruin the other side on the way out. Make it to where they are incapacitated. There's no way in your mind these people could ever get anyone to vote for them before. Now, we know that doesn't work, particularly if you're on the left. But make sure these people never come up for air, so to speak. You've got to punish them and bury them. So that is the, uh, that's the quick and dirty about the 25th Amendment. Uh, you can also say that there were some provisions put in there. You know, in the, again, in the context of the Cold War, what happens if we have a nuclear attack? What happens if we have a biological weapon attack? What happens if the president, is, you know, if the president dies here in this particular situation? What are we going to do about it? It wasn't a bad idea to put this amendment in there. Of course, we'd already had precedent to decide what we're going to do about these things. But regardless... The 25th Amendment is not a bad idea, but what the Democrats were trying to do with it is completely alien to the original intent of the 25th Amendment. And I think that uh, by simply suggesting this, what you're trying to do is use extra tactics. You have all the tactics at your hand, at your disposal, to get rid of President Trump if you wanted to, if you impeached and convicted. But that's not really what they want to do. This is about showboating. All this right now is about showboating and when I talk about 2021 in, in, the next, in the next podcast and I get into uh, what 2021 holds for Americans, I'm going to look at that. 2021 is going to be a very difficult year. I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think there's any way you can sugarcoat this. 2021 is going to be 
for some people, downright awful. And of course, politics, if we keep nationalizing everything, it's only going to make things worse. So, I hope you enjoyed this discussion of the 25th Amendment. Again, lock solid. There's no way the 25th Amendment would apply in this particular situation. Not at all. Uh, And those that are actually actively doing this are doing it for political reasons. All right. Hope you enjoyed this first episode of 2021. I'll see you next time for the next one. See you then. (laughs) 